Good morning, St. Peter's. Um, my name is Marion Hayes, for those of you who don't know me. Um, and I'm just honored to be able to be here this morning um, and to uh, give the message. Would you pray with me before we get started? Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come and minister to us, Lord? You are the Paracletus. You are the one who is called by our side. You are the comforter. And you know where everybody is this morning. You know where we need a touch from you. And I just ask, Lord, that you would come, that you would visit with us, that you would draw us into your heart. Lord, we worship you, we honor you, and we want your name to be held in high regard. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I decided, looking at the different scripture passages, uh, the readings for today, to uh, preach from the, the book of Acts, the passage that Martha just read, Acts chapter 16. And I had to read it in the Message Bible because or in the Message Translation, which sometimes really hits you um, in a very different way because we've become so accustomed often to reading uh, certain scripture passages. So um, I will just read a part of the scripture passage from the message translation. So the background is, right, Paul and Silas are really in a bind because, you know, Paul um, got fed up with this young woman who... Um, needed deliverance, and he finally delivers her. Her masters are really unhappy with her. That's not the message translation, that's just my summary. And, and, and so they, there is a mob scene, and they, um, what happens in, in chapter, in verse 22 it starts, the judges went along with the mob, had Paul and Silas's clothes ripped off, and ordered a public beating. After beating them black and blue, they threw them into jail, telling the jailkeeper to keep them under heavy guard so there would be no chance of escape. He did just that, threw them into the maximum security cell in the jail and clamped leg irons on them. Along about midnight, Paul and Silas were at prayer and singing a robust hymn to God. The other prisoners couldn't believe their ears. Then, without warning, a huge earthquake. The jailhouse tottered. Every door flew open. All the prisoners were loose. Started from sleep, the jailers saw all the doors swinging loose on their hinges. Assuming that all the prisoners had escaped, he pulled out his sword and was about to do himself in, figuring he was as good as dead anyway. When Paul stopped him, don't do that. We're all still here. Nobody's run away. That's a miracle. The jailer got a torch and ran inside, badly shaken, he collapsed in front of Paul and Silas. He led them out of the jail and asked, Sirs, 
what do I have to do to be saved, to really live? They said, put your entire trust in the master Jesus. Then you will live as you were meant to live and everyone in your house included. God loves to set prisoners free. It's his desire. When Jesus started his ministry, he went to the synagogue and he opened the scrolls and he started reading from the book of Isaiah and he found this passage and he looked for that specific passage and we find the, the story about this in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, where Jesus proclaims, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's his desire. He loves to come. He loves to set the captives free. It's his mission. That's why he came. And looking back at the chapter or the passage from, from Acts, what strikes me about this is Paul and Silas had just been beaten black and blue. And what do they do? They're in this maximum security cell. And I don't know about you, but for me, the last thing on my mind would probably to start worshiping, right? Wouldn't be the first natural step that I would be doing. I would either try to sleep or, you know, complain or I don't know what, but worship would probably not be top of the list for me. But what we read here is it says, along about midnight, Paul and Silas were at prayer and singing a robust hymn to, the, to God. Worship does not depend on our circumstances. It is not dependent on our work circumstances. And what I would even say is, because I was asked once when I was a youth pastor, there was a teenager coming to me and, and she said, you know, sometimes I don't feel like worship. And I totally get that. And I totally understand, I don't, oftentimes. But you know, there's also, I think the highest form of worship is lament, which we see so often in the book of Psalms, where David and other psalmists come and they talk about all their dire circumstances, all the things that are going awry, but they then move on into that place of worship and they say, yet I will praise you. Yet I will lift your name up high. Yet I will look to you and I trust and my soul waits for you because I know that you are God. I know that you have come, that you are going to come to me. And I believe that this form of lament is really the highest form of, of worship because it costs a precious price. It costs us a lot to go into that place of worship. And I think that's why it's so, such a precious offering to God. 
sometimes worship is really a spiritual discipline that is a decision in our mind. It's not, again, oftentimes we don't feel all fuzzy and, and, and amazing and, and we want to burst out into song. Sometimes it really is a decision of the mind. After I gave my life to Christ back in Germany, I was 14 years old at the time I gave my life to Christ at, at 12, but this instance happened when I was 14 and the pastor that I was meeting with, who was discipling me, he said something to me in German, and I know we have one German person here, so I will give it first in German. And he said, always remember this, Loben zieht nach oben. It rhymes in German, if you can tell. But in English, it means praise lifts you up. Praise lifts us up. Because worship really changes the atmosphere around us and it allows God to move in and to come and to do the thing that he does so well, which is to bring freedom, which is to set the captives free, which is to set us free. And I want to give a brief story of, because, you know, I recognize that many of us are not in physical prisons, but there are many different types of prison that we can find ourselves in. And some prisons and the most powerful prisons can be in our minds. And God wants to bring freedom to every part of our lives where we feel like we are stuck where we feel that we are not free. He wants to bring freedom. When I was a student in Germany, I went to a church service where the pastor gave a sermon about self-pity. And listening to him and to that sermon, all of a sudden I realized, wow, that's me. I was completely stuck in this mentality of being a victim, of being a martyr, and I was stuck in this thinking, or in this lie-based thinking of self-pity. And so following the sermon, there was a time of worship, and in this time of worship, I saw myself like I was in a prison. And I was so desperate, and I prayed to God, and I said, God, would you come, would you set me free? And in that moment, I heard two words, again in German. Um, and so I will say it in German first. And the German words that I heard in my heart, in my mind, it wasn't an audible voice, but it was a very spontaneous thought. It was teuer erkauft. And it is this, from the scripture passage from 1 Corinthians 6.20, uh, chapter 6, verse 20, which in English translates to, you were bought at a price. And I will say this is probably the only time that the German version is not only shorter, but also more succinct. <laughs> because in German, it is basically, it would translate to preciously bought. And after hearing these two words, I started weeping. And I became deeply overwhelmed 
by God's love for me. And I realized that on a very deep level, um, I realized I had been bought for a very high price. You and I have been purchased with the precious blood of Jesus. And instantly in that moment, I felt this freedom come to me. And I felt that God was freeing me from this mindset of being a victim. Jesus has come to proclaim freedom for the pr prisoners. And again, whether it's addiction, whether it's fear, whether it's trauma, or whether it's lie-based thinking, Jesus wants to bring freedom to you and me. And I want to end this sermon with a time of reflection. And during this time, I want you to ask yourself, or ask God, are there any prisons in my mind or in my life? Sometimes they are self-imposed and sometimes they are actually structural, systemic. Other people try to put prisons or put us into prison. But where do I need to invite Jesus to come and bring freedom? And after you meditate on that, I want to invite you to ask Jesus to come and bring freedom to that particular area, knowing that this is his ministry, this is his heart, to bring freedom to every area of our lives. So I will just give us a few minutes of silence now to just be still before God, and I will end us in prayer. Jesus, I thank you for your heart. I thank you for your compassion, for your mercy. And Lord, you have heard our prayers. You know exactly where in our lives there are still prison doors that are closed, where we are stuck. And Lord, I pray right now, come Holy Spirit, come and bring freedom. 
because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. Come and change any thought patterns. Bring freedom, Lord, where we've come into agreement with lie-based thinking, where we've become gripped by fear. Lord, I pray that you would bring freedom. I speak your peace, the shalom of heaven over any area of our lives where there is fear and we feel like we're stuck in a pattern of fear. Lord, I pray that you would set us free from any addiction, from any things in our lives that where we don't have freedom anymore. Lord, come with your freedom. Set us free, Lord. And I pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.